Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian C. Adams. Tune in weekly to hear from top industry leaders as we discuss relevant topics in the world of business, investing, health and wellness, geopolitics, and more. To learn more about the show, visit excelsiorgp.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club Podcast. Today with me, George Provante. George, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, appreciate being here. George is a private equity investor focused on acquiring and operating farming assets and George, one of the reasons that I was excited to have you on, we've we've talked about farming, investing, or agricultural investing in the past, but your particular niche of kind of the Central Valley, California is intriguing, just given, I don't think a lot of people appreciate how big of an engine that is for U.S. agriculture. So we'd love to give a sense of kind of what is the scope we're talking about here in terms of what that part of the country does from a production standpoint for for the volume of agriculture that we process. I mean, day. when you when you look at California, including the Central Valley and Salinas area around you know, the south of the Bay Area, I mean, fifty percent of the country's foodstuffs come from that from where we are. I mean, it's significant. And with Florida, with all the weather problems and flooding and hurricanes, it used to be a big engine too, and it's getting smaller all the time just because it's they're they're building over it as well as it just isn't working as well. So California is becoming more important. The center part of, this, of the country is soybeans and corn and feed for cattle and all that. But, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, California is half the game or more. I want to dig in a little bit deeper to what you just mentioned, because I wasn't aware of that. So on a, on a percentage basis, the volume that Florida produces is going down relative. Well, I mean, to- I mean, just like, you know, like the, the citrus, you know, they used to have a big citrus following. I mean. They used to make like 300 million boxes of fruit. They're down to like 30 million. I mean, it's come down from, that might not be exactly right, but it's, it's a, it's a 10th of what it used to be or a 20th, you know, there's, there's a, some pest problems there, but more importantly, the hurricane activity is, it's really making it tough. You know, I mean, we have issues with weather, but nothing like that. And, and since we're in, a, you know, the central Valley of California and the Salinas Valley are like high desert characteristics. You know, it's just a wonderful place to grow things. You know, you need heat and cold to create sugar. 
in, in most things have sugar, a little bit of sugar in them. So it's a, it's a wonderful place to grow. And, you know, I think if it, if it evaporated, you know, people would be shocked on how, how far reaching it is in actuality. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It, this is, you know, we're recording this in, in March of 2023 and California is just being on the whole West coast, but California in particular is being hammered with this, you know, atmospheric river. <laughs> atmospheric river on top of atmospheric river and, you know, just huge amounts of, of rainfall and snow totals in the Sierras. I was actually in Utah last week skiing for spring break with my family. They've had unbelievable season out there in part because of that moisture that's coming across. You referenced climate change. Is this something, I mean, obviously you're tracking you, but is it concerning? Is it an opportunity? How should we think about this part of the world relative to this dynamic of global kind of weather patterns that we're seeing changing? I mean, you know, we get this atmosphere river kind of phenomenon at, at different levels every five years, it seems like. So like we're in, we're like in Shangri-La today. We got more, I mean, the water's everywhere. There's flooding concerns. The reservoirs are full. If they're worried, they're going to come over. They'll get another two inches at the end of this week. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a crisis today because of the unknown of how much more water is going to come. And, you know, if the, if the reservoirs fill up, you know, they're letting every drop out they can. It goes over the dam kind of, it becomes more of a flooding issue. But I mean, it's like a feast or famine thing. And it always has been to some degree, you know, I mean, the bigger concern for California agriculture is the Sigma law that California passed 2014, which gives the state the right to regulate sustainability. So, you know, our whole focus and our, and what we're doing today is, is this area I call the Oasis which are these four water districts around Fresno that are like bulletproof and per impervious. I mean, they're a little more expensive than the other, the rest of the state, as far as farming assets go, but that's where the action is going to really be good. So, you know, south of us, people are pumping at 2000 feet. We're pumping at a hundred feet up here. So, you know, that that's what they're after. You know, people there are overdrafting and reducing the water table dram dramatically. So. You know, there, there, there's going to be a tale of two cities as Sigma gets implemented fully, where people are, they are going to be, are going to farm less because they're going to, some of their water assets theoretically are going to be taken away. I mean, it's not sustainable anyway, lack of a better word. I mean, it's just, you know, 20 years ago, they were pumping at 100 feet. Now they're pumping at 2,000 feet. And the lower you go, the war, the worse the water gets from a, you know, it's got salts in it and all kinds of bad chemicals in it. The deeper you go, the worse it gets. So, I mean, it's all going to, it's all going to shake out, but that's kind of the opportunity we, we see going forward for our business. And you're, you're referring to the aquifer levels that, that these guys are tapping into to provide irrigation well, they're, for these properties. They're, they're like past the aquifers. They're like in the clay layers. So, you know, the state of California has, has finally has stepped in and said, you guys are unwilling to be good stewards of what you have. So we're going to pass this law, which they did in 2000, you know, nine years ago. And, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to enforce it as we go and make it with everybody. So it, it, the way to think about it is if you don't have surface water coming from water districts and from the Sierras, which not everybody does, you're not going to be able to farm all your land. They're going to, they're going to restrict you to like, you're going to be able to pump out of the ground one acre foot a year. You need like two to three acre feet to make anything work. So in our ranches that we have, I mean, we get half the water from the Sierras through these water districts and half through the ground. 
and it, and we're sustainable because that is, you know, we're not overdrafting in any one year. So that's kind of, you know, that what's happening here. And I think that with we earlier about, we, we provide half the produce in the country kind of, that's going to go down a little bit as Sigma takes hold because we're going to lose 30, 40% of the farmable land probably. And I, I don't know that number to be exactly right, but it's some, some to 20 to 40 somewhere probably. So that really, and I was totally unaware of any of this. I mean, California loves passing regulation and laws kind of hard to keep up with everything. Well, here, here, here's the thing I left out though. If what's happening in these areas that are overdrafting, the clay layer, which is like semi-permeable almost is drying up and the ground is settling. So it's creating, you know, it's not settling like a half an inch. It's settling like three inches a year, five inches a year. So in certain places, so all the infrastructure is being destroyed around the, so it's kind of a crisis in a way, you know, they got to deal with because farmers, you know, we're, we're a crazy bunch. We just want to grow. We like growing, you know, and sell it, you know, they're, they're, you know, we're, no, nobody thinks that their little plot is going to be a big problem for the rest of the world. Kind of. So it's like, you know, they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to think about it. And, and the state said, Hey, we have to think about it. We have a lot of, we had a, there's a big canal called the frying currents that goes south and it, and it goes through an area where they really overdrafted. I mean, it was like a, $50 million fix to fix this canal, you know what I mean? After it settled all this way. So there's a practical side to the regulation too, actually. Well, so that begs the question, I mean, how do you make up that percentage of decrease? Do they, do they expect the remaining properties to be able to produce more volume? Do you think it will locate to other geographic areas? I mean, that's a pretty simple sizable amount of production that's going to go off the table. Well, I, mean, I mean, California farmers are really great at producing probably more than, more than we can ever use. So, I mean, I would say most of the crops we have in California are overproduced slightly. So it'll be a good thing overall. I mean, nobody wants to be the loser in the deal. There's going to be winners and losers, but it, it'll shake itself out. And, yeah. It'll be fine. It just, for me as a, as a grower, I mean, I, I consider myself, I was a private equity guy in the real estate business for many years and segued into the farming space. I mean, I'm a grower first, you know, we pack it, we sell it, we do all that. So we'll have supply and demand will help all of us out. We'll, you know, right now the grocers have an oligopoly a little bit, you know, they kind of dictate prices to us a little bit more because, you know, when this settles out and there's a little bit more supply, demand and balance, everybody will do better. So, I, I mean. It might be a short little, little problem here and there, but you know, it'll, it'll be fine. Got it. Well, let's get into a little bit of the opportunity. I mean, food security has been something that's been on our radar here at the firm for a while. I think given the deglobalization that we're seeing and some supply chain issues that we saw crop up over the last year or two, it's only been exacerbated. So maybe what is the investment strategy or thesis for folks who are listening that this is a story that makes sense. We see it every day, but how can you actually access it? How can you monetize that opportunity set? I mean, how, how I think about it is, I mean, I'm 63 years old, right? I've been doing this for 25 years. I bought ranches. My first ranch I bought was 600 acres of citrus. It was a thousand bucks an acre. It's now worth 35 to 40,000 an acre, right? We've got four or five, 6% appreciation and tr a lot of cash flow along the way. It's a very, this is a very cash flow intensive business. It doesn't trade on cap rates. It trades on per acre. So it's really inefficient. And the reason that is, is because one guy's better than the guy next to him. You know, two parcels, right? Same thing. One guy makes 5,000 acres. The other guy makes 3,000 an acre based on 
who they take it to, how they do it. So, you know, it's a, it's a unique opportunity in my mind because institutional investors are coming to it right now and they think it turns a return on investment, right? Cap rate, whatever you want to call it, right? We're buying per acre with no correlation to what it makes at all. Just kind of like the way people do it here. The average farmer out here is 75 to 80 years old, probably. The kids have no interest and they're just want to sell and they go to the coffee shop. Oh, Joe got 40, 34,000 an acre. Okay. You offer me 35, I'll take it. I mean, and I'm not trying to make people sound unsophisticated, unruly, but I mean, they are, you know, this is how they think about it, how, they, how it works. So, you know, what we're doing is, and first of all, we're basically focused on citrus because that is the least risk in my mind. You know, we grow all kinds of citrus. We grow mandarins, lemons, oranges, tangerine. We grow, we grow pretty much everything. We do a little bit of table grapes. Because there's a, there's, you know, table grapes are not doing that great right now after Trump put the tariffs on. You know, it just kind of blew up the table. Because half the, you know, 30% of the table grapes went to China. So when the tariffs went on, we, we just backed up 30% of the stuff onto the market and we haven't recovered yet all the way. But certain table grapes are really valuable, make a lot of money. So if we had the right opportunity, we do a little bit of that too. So it's a simple deal. We are going to go to where the water is, is, is impervious. The soil's the best. Microclimate's the best. We're going to do two, three, four deals a year because that's all we can do to get the very best stuff. And what that looks like is, you know, we believe that when, the, when everything contracts, these water districts are already more valuable. They're going to get way more valuable when all when, it, when they implement the law all the way. They're going to get a lot more valuable. And the cash flow comes anyway if you have the right material. We make between three and 10,000 an acre on citrus, depending on what it is. Mandarins make the most, then lemons, then cara cara navels and regular navels. It's like a spectrum. So, I mean, you can make 10, 15% of your money every year and get two to 4% appreciation. You know, if it, if what, 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 that's just normal. I think of what, what we believe is going to happen with the constriction of water and supply and demand coming more into focus. You know, it's going to be better than that, but I mean, it's a simple deal and, and we do it all. We own it, we farm it, we sell it. You know, we don't sell everything because like, for instance, the mandarin, we have a lot of mandarins and we, all of our mandarins go to the cutie brand. Have you seen cuties in the store? Well, that's a friend yeah, my, of mine. My kids, my kids love them. Yeah. Right. So anyway, a friend of mine invented the mandarin business in California. That company is called Sun Pacific and they're the best at it and they make the most money for their growers. So. Even though we're selling company, farming company, we outsource stuff to people that can make more money for the, for the, for the ranch kind of. So, you know, we, we, you know, we're kind of like the, a lot of people have packing houses and companies want to do it all kind of, so they can make more money. And we do the exact opposite. However, we can make more money to the ranch or it's to the partners, whatever you want to call it. Because I've always had partners and everything I've done, you know, that's what we do to try to make, you know, the, the best return that we can. You know, this deal, we're, 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 we're targeting eight to 12 years because by then the Sigma thing will have happened. The value will be created, whatever it's going to be. You know, we're, you know, Mandarin's today, we just sold a block in a fund that we had that expired and we got them a 65,000 an acre for these Mandarin's right last year, you know, we're buying in the, like the forties for Mandarin. So we, we project 70 to 80, 12 years from now, 10 years from now. So, I mean, 
our deals are about a 16 to 18 IRR on a kind of a conservative basis over that time frame. So, you know, it's a simple, simple strategy though, right? I mean, we, we, you know, we pick the best land, the best, and we, you know, we don't need to do these deals. It's not like we need them to keep the lights on here. You know, we have plenty of product. We, we, we already have 5,000 acres of our own that we, you know, have built up over 20 years. So, you know, it, it's a, I would tell people, if you have no ag in your portfolio, you should, you should get it somehow a little bit because in, in the inflationary world, we're going to be stuck in for a while. It's a good place to be. I mean, prices are going up all the time on everything across the board. Yeah. I, I personally think we're in a persistently inflationary environment, given a lot of different dynamics that we're seeing play out. You referenced institutional equity getting into the space. There's been a lot of talk about Cascade and Bill Gates's family office and a lot of these larger families owning huge tracts of ag land. What does the competition landscape look like in terms of on the buy side? But then you know, the other side of that question would be, are there, are there more potential exit opportunities because of people wanting to get in this space as well? You know, I mean, Prudential is a huge buyer of ag land and they're getting and they basically did it in nuts originally in row crops. Now they're getting into fresh fruit like crazy. Hancock's doing it. A multitude of private equity funds are doing it. And here's a, it's an interesting thing. When I sold this to Prudential, right? I went to him and I said, you know, we're really good at finding cheap land, that really good land that's inexpensive and then redeveloping it. I said, why don't we put a deal together and I'll be, a, we'll have a feeder company. Cause I'm, I, you know, I like building ranches. I mean, I'm kind of a builder guy and I like doing that. I, you know, I like, I like farming it. And I mean, stuff they don't want any part of. And they said, no, no, we'll just, we'll just pay you top dollar when it's all done. I mean, the interesting thing is there's not any institutional buyers that want to build it. You know what I mean? It's not like apartments and stuff like that. There's plenty of big time guys who have a division that does that. And the space here, the best buyers don't want any part of it. So you know, I just feel in part of our, our business here is I'm not going to live forever. My kids aren't that interested in this. Right. So, you know, we're going to build for 10 more years and we're going to have a massive institutional sale probably on everything we have, because we, everything we have is pretty good and, and like institutionally viable in a big way. I mean, you know, I get so obvious what I have all the time for people that want to get into the deal, you know, the numbers, I mean, there's a big, there's a big family here. And they, they do table grapes and, and citrus manners, kind of like we do, but bigger. And they can't, as a Canadian pension came in with them and gave them like, I don't know, two, $300 million to buy this guy out. You know, it wasn't, I, I didn't particularly think it was a great buy, but nobody cared, you know, and they just kind of, this whole industry is going to consolidate up. If you think about our 70,000 family farmers out there, we have 20 acres, 30, 50 acres. I mean, there, there's an opportunity to consolidate as far as the eye can see, you know, on this. And then someday it will be more, you know, institutionalized. And, you know, it's, it is better with, based on the buyers are all institutionalized, right? I mean, you know, you almost need to be to compete in a way, have the power to compete with those guys. Well, and if you're vertically integrated, which is a real estate term, I'm just going to apply it to add. No, we are totally, we are okay. totally vertically integrated. We put together a free resource available exclusively to our podcast listeners. If you're looking for strategies to safeguard your portfolio against inflation, 
you want to check out our latest guide on the best alternative investments to consider. Head to ExcelsiorGP.com slash download to learn more. What happens when these big groups who don't have that capacity come in? Do they, do they, you stay on as the manager, the operator, and they just own the assets? Or do they have their own third parties that come in to actually do the work once they become the owner? I think, I think it's, it's all of those operators. I mean, it's, I think a lot of guys would say, okay, George, you're, this is your business, your people. How good is it going to be without you? You know, and they might say, we're going to bring in somebody and, and put a new guy in that spot, right? Get rid of me and put somebody in that spot. Other companies would say, no, we want to put our own people in there. We want to run it ourselves, which is not as easy as it sounds because it's kind of a weird business. Not everybody's prepared to do it. And then there's other models where they just hire the best, you know, outside packers, farmers, and they just kind of do it that way. You know, I find that what we do, we, we do a little better than the average bear because like, for instance, we sold it, we, we've done three of these crowdfunding deals so far. Like we're, we have another one coming up next week. So when we bought in December, you know, it has these, I don't know if you've seen gold nuggets or sumos in the, in the stores, these little like ugly looking mandarins everybody loves. So we have 10 acres out of 150 acres on this, right? I've spent probably a month making sure we get a good price on those mandarins to make sure that deal works, right? I mean, that's hard to get in a, in a guy leading a business like this. You know, I'm like, I got to get a good number for these because I want to make that 20% return I talked about. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it just makes us better, I think. Yeah, and, and there's any other thing too is like, imagine if you were, you know, imagine if you're like the guy who's got, you know, 20 apartment buildings, he and his son and a staff, small staff run them compared to another guy who lives in New York, who's got 20 apartment buildings in Spokane, Washington. And he calls the manager once a month. How you doing? I mean, who do you think makes more money? Right. I mean, the guys on it always make more. And that's kind of what I think we can do for our investors. Kind of we're on it and my staff's on it. So anyway, I mean, it's just a difference in how, why I think we're a, a good opportunity for people in a way. And the other thing too is my dad was a mailman, you know, I grew up in a lower middle-class family in New Jersey. You know, I'm, I mean, I am just absolutely committed to making my partner's money and taking care of their money, which sounds weird. Everybody says that, but I mean, it means something to me because I just, you know, I grew up the hard way kind of, and I just, you know, I've never lost any I mean, partner's money ever in my life. We've never had an issue. We've never had any litigation. We've never. You know, I take my, my wife bitches and moans all day long because she's like, you take care, better care of other people's money than ours. You know, we're like the shoemaker who kids have no shoes kind of, you know, in her mind. So, you know, it's just a, you know, how I think about it. In terms of kind of macro geopolitical issues, are there things that you see on the two to three year time horizon that make you more bullish about investing into ad? You know, I... I, you know, after those tariffs went on, I, I, I'm done predicting the future. We had the greatest crop in history that year. We we're going to make a fortune and we didn't make any money on the grapes and we always made a lot of money on grapes. And that's, so I think that just demand for fruit is so high that it will take care of itself. And people are becoming smarter all the time. And young people are eating more fruits and vegetables and older people worldwide demand is way higher because you know, like, 
there's all these issues everywhere in the world, but you know, like in, in China, we, we, we ship a lot to Taiwan, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines, I mean, all those places, middle classes are growing like wild and middle class there means they're pretty rich actually. So the, the pull is, I guess, seems more and more and more. And how we fit into that is like China grows all kinds of stuff now, but it's crappy. You know, it's, they don't, they don't have the weather to do it. I mean, the central Valley of California, I mean, is such a unique place. In fact, it is so big and it's so dry and it, the Sierras produce so much water. You know, I mean, it, this, this cold, cold winter and hot, hot summer, just in, in dry conditions all summer long, it's just a unique place to do anything. I mean, everything's better here. I mean, it just, you know, if you go in the stores, you like it. Chances are it's from here, not, you know, not uh, Mexico or, you know, Chile or any of the other places. I mean, we just make the best fruits and vegetables in the world, basically. Yeah, I do agree with you. The This rise of the middle class over the last 20 years, especially in Southeast Asia, and this expectation that fruit and vegetables are available 24-7, 365 on demand is just going to, you know, I think buoy and then increase pricing across the board. Well, I mean, uh, I, don't, I, don't know if you, I don't know if your family is fruit, fruit eaters, right? But I mean, you know, if you, like, like, we have these new green grape varieties. I mean, those grapes, are, when they're good, they are so good, right? I mean, in Asia, they'll pay anything for that. I mean, almost, I mean, a lot more than domestic markets pay, right? I mean, to get something really good, crunchy, color, finish, all that stuff. I mean, same thing with oranges. You know, we have at our packing house, we have bricks detection. So we, we scan every orange, every carrot to make sure it's got the right amount of sugar in it. So the eating experience is right. I mean, we get two, $3 more on a $20 sale for high bricks going to Korea or Japan or Vietnam or, I mean, they, they place a huge, the Americans don't place a premium on it. They place a huge premium on this. How did you see pricing play out over the last 12 or 24 months, given this inflationary environment that we've been in? Because I know a lot of people talk about ag as this great inflation hedge. You can push through that cost to the consumer. I mean, we, we, we have been hurt by inflation so far because we can't get our prices up high enough, fast enough. It's, I mean, the curve's there and we're getting there. But, you know, this, you know, between COVID and the, you know, and the cost of shipping and all that, we, you know, our costs went way up. So I would say we've done worse over the last 24 months. I mean, it's, it's coming up, you know, on the other hand, during COVID, right? I mean, citrus did fantastic during COVID because everybody wanted vitamin C, you know, they, you know, they were eating, everybody was going to the store, no one's going to restaurants and we, we did better during COVID on citrus. I mean, everybody just wanted it so bad. So, I mean, it's, you know, anytime you're in a crisis and crazy, you know, economic mayhem, it seems like, you know, what we do a dollar, uh, you know, we, every sales like 50 cents to a dollar, you know, <laughs> at the store level. I mean, we do pretty good. You know, I mean, we go into a recession, we'll do better because people will go out to dinner and they'll be in the stores more and they'll buy more. We'll do better. So, you know, I mean, when we do worse, when things are great. Actually, which sounds weird. I mean, it's kind of how it works in reality. I guess I could see that, right? I mean, that discretionary spending going out is one of the first things that people cut, right? So restaurants and that kind of thing go away and people want to cook at home. So I could see Well, I mean, that. we like we sell, we sell, we have a pretty big deal with Costco and Sam's and those kind of guys. 
I mean, during COVID and during this recession, this inflationary cycle, we, we, they pulled more, they're pulling more and more. They're, 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 they're doing really well with us. You know what I mean? So you see people, the pressure, you know, the other thing that's happened is really interesting. In, you know, organic sales have fallen through the floor because people are not willing to pay the premium during the, these tougher times to get it, which I was shocked by it. You know, it's kind of that raw numbers. We don't do organic, but on anything, you know, I don't, I'm not sure you can really do it. And so I don't try. I mean, you know, you know, organic is kind of self-policing, you know, companies hire a consultant to make sure they're organic. I mean, so until I could do it where I was absolutely certain it was really on the package, organic says organic, it really is organic. We've kind of shied away from it. So, but I mean, it's been interesting to see how, you know, most people live in a detached world from everything, right? I mean, it's like in this stuff. You know, when you see a trend, it's real because, you know, people's buying habits, you're seeing them on a day-to-day basis. Almost. Yeah. I would have thought that people would have still been paying that pre that would have been persistent. So it's interesting to hear you say that it's gone the other way. Well, I mean, the, the biggest people in it are seeing it. The biggest companies that do it are seeing it pretty prolifically. We had a, we had a meeting with Target. And they were, they were just couldn't believe how you know, they've spent all this energy to get all these organic channels on everything and the, and the value, I mean, of the, the pull through sales have been, were really down a tremendous amount though. Hmm. So we probably in Northern California, it's, you know, Costco's fine because that's all people are, you know, have the money and want to do it, but across the country, I mean, they, they're doing it everywhere and people just don't see the value, I guess. Well, this has been you know, fascinating. And I, again, I, I knew that the Central Valley was a big production hub. I didn't appreciate the scale and these other dynamics happening across the country that were just going to improve. And especially the regular regulatory environment in California, creating kind of more opportunity for investment there because they're going to be shrinking the footprint. If people are interested in learning more about you or the firm or the investment opportunity, what's the best way for them to get in touch or learn more? I mean, I think I mean, we have a website, RevanteFarmCapital.com. I mean, if people are really interested in ag, I mean, we have a lot of educational videos we've done. It talk, I mean, it's really rudimentary. It talks about, you know, like cap rates. Why would I use cap rates? How we farm, how we sell, how we grow things. I mean, it's pretty good. We have testimonials there for investors that invested with me in the past that are pretty high-powered businessmen that people would know who they are, kind of what they do. So, I mean, I, that's, that's where I would go. And then, you know, we're, we're about to launch a really great opportunity. It's a, it's two little, two smaller ranches that I clean sheet the developed. So they're, you know, they're pretty, pretty wonderful properties and pretty, you know, not would say risk-free, but you know, the, the hard work's been done. They're ready to go. They're ready to be hundred percent productive. So, you know, I would say it's, it, it was one of our people, investors that thought about, they wanted to be part of this. You know, everyone has learned about it. Our website's a great place because we spent a lot of energy making it, you know, a sales tool, but more so interactive, you know. And the other thing I've taken pride in is, you know, we, we we're down to a $25,000 minimum investment. So because, you know, mostly rich guys do this, you know, I want, I, you know, I've come as a poor kid growing up. I, I like the idea of, you know, offering this to more normal people, you know, that might want to have a little bit of exposure to what we do. So. You know, that's another thing that I take pride in that we're trying to, you know, I got a, a girl I grew up with, mother, 85 years old, invested, always wanted to be own a ranch or a prop or a farm her whole life. And I'm like, well, you know, 
these are, these are pretty, these are pretty, you know, green bananas. You're 85. You sure you want to do this? <laughs> so anyway, anyway, but anyway, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing to be part of. Absolutely. Well, a, a question that we ask people that come on the show is, do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life? You know, I have a lot of daily practice. I think to bring peace to my life. I'm a, you know, I'm a very positive guy and I'm, I think, but I mean, you know, I, my peace comes from, I walk every night mm. late, you know, before I go to sleep, I walk about three miles every night. Really? And that, oh yeah. And that is, I've always done it. My, I've done more than I'm getting older now. So I can't do five miles like I used to, but, and that is a time of the day where I reflect on the day, reflect on the tomorrow. You know, and I just kind of, it brings like peace to my mind and clears it up that, you know, I'm the best sleeper in the universe. I'm clear. I fought things through and I, and I just go to bed and go to sleep. So I mean, for me, that's how I do it. Very interesting. You, do you walk like the the farmland property? Where, where where do you do this? I walk the farms all day. No, I have a little, I have a little like course or I live in a little unincorporated area, this little, this little farming town in the middle of central Valley. And it's, I, I have like a 2.9 mile track and I do, I mean, I do the same thing every night. So it, it, it's good because I can kind of like just get into my zone and not get lost in the middle of the night. I mean, where we live, there's no street lights. So if you're not careful, you'll end up in somebody's backyard. Or <laughs> right, right, right. Huh. So. Fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's always interesting to hear people's response and a lot of them are outdoors and walking but usually in the morning so at night it's a little bit different well i mean um, you know if you're if you're doing what we do right i mean you know i was up looking at this canal we have it's about to breach at 5 30 this morning you know on the ranch so it's but i mean generally we're out there we're doing something we're getting ready to pick it we're yeah you know it's more active you know and it's not you can't, you can't think about anything you're just trying to solve the problem or figure out where you're going to go with it because i mean you think about it I mean, we have thousands of acres of this stuff, right? Every day we're trying to think about what are we going to pick and where are we going to send it for the most money? Kind of that's how we to optimize revenue because the expense side we've got down to a science. So makes sense. Well, George, I want to thank you for joining us. Best of luck with everything moving forward. Definitely encourage people to reach out. Please do leave us a comment about your favorite part of the conversation. And I look forward to, to staying in touch. Dave, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it also. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation on the Capital Club podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and leave us a review. And please follow us on your favorite streaming platform so you never miss an episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 